What's up, fourth down experience people? We are here with Brett Arkline, guy that I've known for a long time, came to a TJK kicking camp in Fresno, California, seems like years ago, um, but went on to be a successful kicker punter at Fresno and uh, finished up in Tennessee as Division I FCS kicker punter. And he just finished uh, at Marshall first year as a special teams analyst. Uh, did a great job, uh, and Marshall had a pretty solid season. So let's welcome uh, Chris, Brett. Welcome, you guys. How are you doing? Thanks, guys. Welcome. Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, first time caller, a long time listener. Um, you know, I, uh, I I told my high school specialist back when I was coaching high school, it was about four years ago. Uh, literally, listen to the fourth down experience. They're talking to pro specialists. And they were just giving out their secrets, you know, like pro bowlers, Brett Kern, all these guys. Um, and I always thought that was, you know, I thought that was so cool because that was something I would have loved to learn when I was playing. Um, you know, and I, I still think that you guys are the best podcast out there for, you know, specialists and special teams besides I Swing kicking podcast, but you guys do a phenomenal job, man. Hey, talk about that, Brett, talk about your podcast and talk about the Bible book. Okay, so we got the, and I'll, I'll dive more into it at the end, but we got the Kicker's Bible uh, and the Iceman Kicking Podcast. It was really a book that I've been working on for 10 years. Um, and everything that I learned, especially from Brian when I went to the TJK camp and, and Chris and, and everyone I've, I've gotten to talk to in the kicking world uh, put together this summer. Um, and it, it came out really good, man. I have a lot of excerpts from David Akers and Shane Graham, who each had about 15 years of NFL experience in there. And you can find that at icemankicking.com. And then we had the Iceman Kicking podcast, which we just finished season one. And uh, we're putting that out there. You can find it, again, on icemankicking.com and YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, any of those stuff. So, But, yeah, again, thank you for having me on, man. It's an honor to be on here. Yeah. So, Brett, uh, obviously you, you've talked about a few things going on, but you're, you know, I've only known you for a few years. And, obviously, you started with Brian, what, much earlier. Um, and I think it's pretty amazing kind of the things that you've done. Uh, we always like to ask these college coaches, like, talk, talk us through your journey, how you got to where you're at now, because everybody's journey is the same, and there's always kids that want to aspire to coach at the college level. So I guess kind of, you know, give us a cliff's notes of kind of your, your journey and how you really got into this position of being a Marshall uh, graduate assistant, or I mean a, a QC. Sure, and I'm with you guys. I mean, we need more specialists in the coaching ranks, man, it's so important. Chris, you'll like this. Uh, I've been listening to a ton of PJ Fleck. Uh, and, you know, he's my uh, idol in the kicking world. There's someone who I aspire to be. He said he was the king of the twos. Uh, too small, too weak, too inexperienced. That was me. Um, you know, but the one thing I did have was work, that work ethic. Fast forward a little bit, I was at Lincoln University, uh, which Brian helped me uh, get an opportunity there. And uh, Coach Flanagan was the head coach. He was a quarterback. Uh, at SMU after the death penalty and it's snowing it's like January and I go up to him I'm like coach I need the keys to the equipment room I'm trying to go kick right now and he had this really thick Texas accent he's Brett it's like 30 degrees outside man there's a couple inches of snow what are you doing and I said coach there's a ton of guys in California getting that work in right now so I always try to use that work ethic um, you know kind of fast forward through high school I was at Fresno City College junior college at high school not any real offers uh, went to a TJK camp, uh, had a lot of fun, learned a lot, uh, a lot on the mental game too. Went to the first one in California, which was in Fresno, and then also went to the one in LA. 
that Division Q school, Lincoln University, called O'Brien. They just had an All-American punter from San Diego, uh, and they wanted another. So luckily, I got that call without any real experience. Uh, that first season was rough, man. On the other side of the country, um, you know, just no one looked like me. It was an all-black school. I, I didn't play well at all, but that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, you know, I learned so much how to fight through adversity the next year, uh, set three school records. Um, you know, most field goals made in a season, best field goal percentage, longest punt in school history. Then I transferred UT Martin after I graduated. Uh, it was a fantastic experience. Uh, ended up GGing there in 2018 and then taught and coached for two years outside of the Nashville area at Smyrna High School. So after that, you know, every spring I would hit up as many college coaches, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but as I could and, and just try to pick their brain, you know, and I, and I called Jordan Hankins, who was one of my mentors at UT Martin, who's now on at Marshall, and he said, hey, man, we got this uh, special teams analyst job. Would you be interested? And I said, heck, yeah. Uh, jumped at it. Fast forward seven games later, we're 7-0, and number 15 in the nation. Uh, number two in the nation, special teams efficiency from PFF halfway through the year. Um, and number one in the con- – finished the season number one in the conference and number six in the nation in kickoff defense. So – we had a lot of success this year, but I mean, it was all about the players. The way they bought in and really uh, embraced our message was was really fun to watch. Yeah, and it's been really fun to watch you, Brett, just just grow and and in your profession and and you know, I think a little over a year ago you were doing camps with us, so it's pretty sweet to to see you. Actually, a year ago you did your last kicking camp with Chris and I um, as as a coach or as far as kicking camp uh, company, but. Uh, one thing I want to ask you real quick, just kind of get right in, dive right in here. Um, you know, we talk about uh, getting on coaches' boards at universities with kids and with parents. And like to us, that's like common knowledge to a lot of parents and kids. Some people know, some people don't want, know what a board means. You know, I have my board. So when coaches contact me, I have my board of athletes and prospects across the nation to be like, this is what this guy is, whatever. College coaches have their boards. Um, and everyone does it their own way. And I'm not necessarily asking what Marshall does, but just in general, you know, you've been at a a few schools, you've talked to a lot of college coaches, Brett, for the parents out there and for the athletes, like explain what a recruiting board is. And if if your name is on that board, is that good? And maybe any other details you want to share? Sure. And I can kind of talk a little bit too about how to get on that board. Um, You know, the, I, you know, I got to, to Marshall, and I didn't think that was an actual thing. There's a physical board uh, with names on it that we have down in, in our um, team room and, and also in our recruiting room, too. But, yeah, and, and there's a lot of online stuff, too. But, you know, those, those are the guys we're watching for every week. You're sending, you know, different graphics and trying to keep them involved. And for specialists, it's, it's tough because some schools might not have an elaborate board. They might just be like, you know, even like you talked about through your recruiting process, Brian, it's like, all right, we got one guy on the board. If he doesn't take this offer, well, in 15 days, we move on to the next guy. Some schools still operate like that. Um, the best way to get on that board is be detail-oriented and be relentless. And we talked about this at NKR camps, talking about the whole recruiting. You know, there's still major FBS schools that are looking for players and, and a ton of other schools too. But, you know, I can tell you the normal thing, you know, make sure you have running film. And this is all important, running film, use different uh, camera angles. I'm trying to see 
your contact uh, on the ball for field goal. Uh, I don't want to see any on the ground shots makes a 30 yarder. That was a line drive. Look like a freaking, you know, um, Mount moon shot uh, from 55. Make sure you take kickoff film from behind and in the stands, but also, you know, these schools are still trying to figure out who's coming back. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are declaring for the NFL. Uh, there might be a six year senior who just decides here in the next coming weeks, I'm done. You know, I'm, I don't want to go through off season workouts. I'm, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. And there's guys doing cannonballs into the transfer portal. So if you see people leaving into the transfer portal from Nebraska or whatever school, uh, you know, there's a spot there now. That's something that you need to go research and get your name out to. And when I say be relentless, I'm not talking about every day, okay? Maybe every other day. When I was playing, I would pick a couple conferences and maybe hit those that day and then circle around in two days and see if I had heard back from them. You know, emails, coaches still check those. I didn't think that was true, but you get some older coaches too and even, even the young guys still checking their emails. The great thing about email is you can set a certain time when you wanna send it. Um, you guys talked about in the last podcast that, you know, what time is the best time as late as possible or as early in the morning as possible. That way, when that coach wakes up, this is the first thing he sees is a direct message from you um, or an email from you. Be that kid that emails a coach every day. He might not be interested, but shoot, every freaking morning he's receiving an email from you. He's going to eventually end up looking at it and just take a peek at your film because that's what he sees every morning. Yeah. You won't. Just to feed off that, so I just bought a new iPad that I was gonna that I use at camps, and I had to re kind of sit in apps and stuff and re-download them. Literally today, when I was re-logging in my Gmail, an alert popped up and said that in Gmail you can now schedule the time that your email goes out. And I I, I, I didn't know that was a feature on Gmail unless it just came out. So I guess for those of you that are listening, you can now schedule a time when your email is gonna go out through Gmail. You're right, Chris. And that's so important too. I think, you know, the other thing too, that we've talked about before too, is your etiquette. You know, how are you supposed to message these coaches? And I, I think, again, doing your research, mentioning to, to this coach, Hey coach, I see you're from Clovis, California. I'm from California too. Uh, or mention somewhere where they started coaching it. Just do your research on these coaches and make it uh, seem as though you're, you know, interested in them as a person coach. I know you've been in the profession for, this many years and you played at Ball State and you started your coaching career at Marshall, you know, here's how I can help your school. Here's my, my stuff. That tidbit is attractive because it's different and it's not, Hey coach, what's good. Uh, is there any more spot for me? You know, you guys have seen that before, you know, and it's like, that's them asking for something. Think about human psychology. If someone's just asking for a handout, you're not going to want to help them. If you build that connection with a person, they're more inclined to help you along the way I, i'm just curious because so now you're on the coaching side so you experienced it as a player you're experienced it as a as a kicking coach helping somebody now you're on the coaching side without kind of calling it out and saying verbatim like what was kind of like a wow message that somebody reached out to you like because they had interest in marshall and what's kind of like a man like a, like a grinny type of message that you got like so because we're to find these teachable moments for kids too I got you. I got you on some gritty ones. I've had some just cringe where, I mean, not even spell my name right. I had a couple kids uh, say, Hey, coach Armenian, which, you know, it's never correct to, uh, you know, text someone by their, by their race. But uh, I think that was an autocorrect thing that they just are Kelly and goes to Armenian, you know, uh, call me by my ethnicity. No, there, there's been some, you know, 
spelling is important guys you, you know that you know school being a teacher uh that's you know all i need to see you spelling correctly if you can't spell that you're a kicker and a punter i don't know if i'm going to take a look at that film um there's but there's been some really well thought out messages you know i see you have this on your depth chart or you know just they're paying attention hey coach congrats on that win last week here's this this and this you know and, and just trying to build that that physical or that emotional connection with you, that stands out to me. The, the gritty ones are the ones that not a lot of thought, copy and pasted, you know, and no one really wants to see that. I want to see some, some thought put into it. And it doesn't have to be extensive. You can do something simple. You know, Brett, you were a prospect doing the grind that, that I've been teaching since 2012 on just hitting everyone on email, social media, and all that. And then you did it. And then you caught people's eye and you, you played at the highest level, Division One football. You did all three skills. And then now you're an actual coach in those rooms, you know. And, like, what's the biggest thing that, like, you knew you had right? Like, yeah, I knew that. And then what's the biggest thing or something close to it where you're like, man, I was way off. Or, like, man, that's the big surprise. I had no idea. Man, that's a really good question, Brian. You're getting me here. Um, <laughs> Wow. Uh, you know, just, well, just that never, you know, just being that never uh, relenting, never giving up attitude. Uh, oh, here's what I knew. I knew that the mental game, and I think this is still coming around in coaching and, and even in kicking, the mental game is so important. And we say that, but how do you really train the mental game? Right. You know, I, I started getting into meditation uh, kind of late in my career and visualization techniques. I got the chance to talk to Shane Graham. Oh my God. And he told me that, you know, I, I, he doesn't mind me saying this, but, you know, before every game, he'd take a picture of the end zone that he was about to play in the next day, and he would stare at it and play out events in his head. I think that's so important. That's something I did with my specialists. Uh, that, that's what separates the good players from the great players, is that mental preparation and being ready for adversity, because it's going to happen. It's going to strike. Uh, how do you respond to that? That's so important. Something that wowed me was was the uh, Twitter. You know, Twitter kind of came around. I I was kind of just still during that email age, uh, and I was like, oh, coaches are only on email now. Twitter has become a huge thing. Um, I'm trying to see what else. I mean, from the from the workout perspective, well, and that's something that stands out to me as a coach now. Coaches notice everything. If you are sandbagging it in uh, workouts in the off season coaches take notice and not just your special teams coach, your running backs coach, your linebackers coach, they all notice the effort you put in, in that winter workout in January. And it's going to affect how they view you in the fall. So I would give 110% and never show bad attitude. If something doesn't go your way, you got to brush off your shoulder and keep going, brother. That's, that's great. I love learning about that. Well, let me ask you this. Let's just spin off that from on the co um, what because there's a lot of kids that people that want to get to where you're at as well um, and, and so that was kind of a recruiting side of it from a coaching side of it what was what didn't you expect at this coaching level at coaching at the d1 level and what kind of did you expect that was right so let's we'll add the, the coaching twist to it sure Chris well there's there's a couple of things I learned um, and those those are all really good uh, points is, is relationships you could be uh, you can talk to every NFL coach out there, every special teams coordinator, and have all this knowledge, and you walk in there, 
you don't build that relationship with your specialists or any of your players, it doesn't mean a dang thing. You know, they're not going to listen to you. Relation, uh, coaching is relationships first. Say hi to a player in the hallways. Uh, ask them how their brother or their sister is doing. Build that connection outside of football. So, you know, when you actually coach them and coach them hard, they're going to want to take that coaching because they know you're here to help them and you're not in it for you. And on Saturdays, they're going to go that much harder for you and their teammates because they're, you know, you, they understand you're not in it for the, yourself. You're in it to help them out. Um, keep it simple, stupid. You guys have said that before. Um, you know, we were like six in the nation in kickoff defense. Why? I want to say it's some elaborate plan where the one ran across the field and we're doing all these crazy twists. Dude, just keep it simple, stupid. I mean, we had these guys flying down. And Coach Siegler and Coach Hankins did a fantastic job of keeping their coaching points super simple and letting these absolute dudes go out there and make plays. Um, I didn't, I didn't notice, I didn't think that, you know, on this high of a level, you could, you know, keep it that simple. I mean, it was, if the returner is a long ways away from you, avoid to the ball side and make a play. If he's close to you, you know, bully your man, snag away from the, um, snag away from the ball carrier and make a play. And, you know, the, we did that this season and, and that like, that wowed me. Um, I think for young coaches, and you're just talking about Chris, how do you get into, uh, coaching it's it's good at first to have a plan you know I started out in high school or when I was coaching high school I had my own special teams playbook of things that I learned from different coaches um, and then a list on culture and what I believe in and again a lot of that comes from PJ Fleck and other of these esteemed coaches you know uh, I say this because when adversity strikes you're going to start questioning what you do when the head coach comes to you and starts you know getting in your butt about you know, what's wrong with our kickoff unit? Um, are we practicing this enough? Are we emphasizing this enough? Um, is this the wrong scheme? You know, there's going to be questions. You have to have a set of core beliefs that you can go back to uh, and believe in and keep hammering home because adversity is definitely going to strike. Um, and, and then for, for, again, for young coaches, it's reaching out to people. I had no clue in college football that coaches would be this open to talking with and sitting down with you. you guys have had some great coaches on the podcast but you know these coaches literally I was a, a nobody straight out of high school or straight out of college um, coaching high school and they would sit down with me for four hours you know an SEC coach and that made my day made my week made my month and so even when I become a big-time coach I'm going to do that because that's something I remember you know and I will always remember for a very long time they're not giving you their secrets. Um, you have to become those coaching points. You have to know those inside and out. Uh, you have to be able to spit those out rapid fire. So they're not giving anything away. These are things that everyone knows about. Uh, they're just getting better at their craft by teaching it to you. Um, and that's something that, you know, young coaches definitely, I've made some fantastic connections from just literally calling a coach up or messaging him and saying, Hey, can I sit down for a few hours? And I drive out there, but you know, I'm always gracious for any of these coaches that were sitting down with me and still do early in my career. All right. Last question for me. And this is back getting back to the kids, 2021 guys, you know, um, so what can these guys be doing the next four or five, six months to prepare for college football and, and what that life is going to be like that they're not ready for, whether it be time management, weight training, uh, whatever what are some things that they need they could start working on the next six months before they get to college 
Well, Brian, you guys do a great job of, of letting guys know it's about getting film out and film consistently. I mean, you got to put that stuff out there every other day, you know, have new clips because, you know, things change a lot in a year. Uh, that work ethic, it, it starts in the weight room. It really does. I don't think the weight room is, you know, number one importance for specialists. I do think talking to David Akers, his big thing was um, body training. He did a lot of P90X stuff. He said that he lost about 40 pounds uh, before he had that year with the 49ers where he, he made 41, 42 field goals and had the NFL record for most field goals in a season. He said he stopped doing a lot of heavy weight training and it was a lot of different body workout stuff. I thought that was super interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the dedication to your craft. Um, it's, it's not over kicking, um, having a, a set amount of kicks that you want to perform uh, maybe, you know, three, four times a week, you gotta be working the off season. Um, having a rep count also doing running too. I think explosive training gets overlooked. I was always uh, doing either some type of sprints that you were doing change of direction, your broad jumps, your step ups, anything that you can do that's explosive is going to help you be because help you become a, a better kicker. A lot of these guys, they come to, you know, any school, um, these freshmen and they're real thin, man. And they're, you know, they put on a lot of weight when they go through that first season, but they're, they're slow too. They're not that explosive uh, that they need to be. So I think that would help if they do a lot of explosive training. Nice. All right. Next one is, uh, ex okay. So it's kind of a two part question here. Um, with these, with the high school kids that want to play at the D one level, what can they expect that like the player coach relationship might be like coming into college? How can they maybe improve it if they feel like they're not even getting any sort of communication with the, the head special teams coach because they feel low on the depth chart? How can they improve it? You know, just talk a little bit about maybe expectations going into college with the player-coach relationship and how can they, you know, improve it or maintain it and that type of stuff, like kind of yeah. basically went through as a player and a coach. Yeah, that player-coach relationship is super important. Uh, I think uh, I would have liked to have a coach like me uh, at my level, and I'm not saying that to be conceited, but just someone who was paying attention to me. You know, when I was at Lincoln, uh, my first season, I had a problem with planting, putting my plant foot to the right all the time. And it was too close to the ball. I was jamming myself, and I struggled that year. And I come, came home, worked with a kicking coach, and he managed to just fix my plant foot. You know, um, I thought that was super important. Uh, you you have to be coachable wherever you go. I think that's that's super important. And again, it depends on you know you have to know uh, you know who's coaching you up. I, I never would say be disrespectful uh, to any coach. You do have to take things with a grain of salt, depending on you know what their background is in kicking. Um, but it's it's super important to be coachable and to communicate with you know the the coach, the coordinator. Uh, your your QC, your analyst, there's becoming a lot more guys that have kicking backgrounds. And I would absolutely tell tell my guys, you know, come to me whenever you want. My, my door's wide open. Let's watch some film. I think that's one of the biggest things that high school guys kind of hitting on your guys' question before don't know is, is you know, let's watch film, you know, every day. Come in and, and, and we'll, let's watch what you're doing and let's compare it to things you were doing before. Guys see Harrison Bucker and like, well, I want to do that. You know, I want to kick like that. He's he's also six five. You know what I mean? And Johnny, you're you're five eight. So, you know, you have to compare to to some of your best kicks. 
so to when you were struggling, then let's figure out, you know, what has changed in those different circumstances. So I think that communication aspect is super important and that guys, you know, they're young, they're shy. A lot of them, uh, it's a big, uh, arena, um, with a lot of eyes on you now. And you went from being the dude, the kicker in high school, and now you're just another guy on the depth chart, you know? So it's good to communicate and it's good to ask, know what are my strengths what are my weaknesses what do I need to improve on I think would help a lot of young guys whether it's swallowing their pride uh, or just being more vocal and branching out a little bit so I got before Coach Hughesby asked our final stadium question I have one more question for you I think it's sure. been pretty interesting seeing the stadiums with like 5,000 people in it or, or no one or, or 10,000 how do you think that's like like, I feel like we're all missing something with kickers because, you know, if kickers have done really well and there hasn't been a whole lot of people in the stadium, you know, have you seen anything or noticed anything being in the stadiums and guys doing well and maybe how that could correlate in the future when stadiums are packed again, that they could take away like, hey, you, you know, blocking out the noise or there wasn't any noise. Was there anything that you could pull? Because, I mean, that's a pretty, you know, rare experience in one year where guys are people aren't in the stadium um, and you lived in that era as a coach uh, anything off of that yeah that's a great question Brian you know I'd love to do a study too that's something I might do this offseason of you know what's what's the percentages from a you know I packed a 40,000 seat stadium to a 5,000 seat stadium I think that's really interesting and, and that's a that's a great question right is is what changes for these guys especially kickers going from practice to a game um, I, I think it's just the mental preparation that they put in and, and how ready they are. You know, I, I wonder if we can take that, you know, what they've been feeling this year and maybe, you know, make them more confident. Uh, for me, it's about getting those reps in in practice. Um, I'm a huge dry run guy. Uh, you know, we, we talk about rep count and yeah, I only want you to do 40 kicks on a Tuesday and 35 on a, on a Wednesday, but we still want you to rep that motion. That's what we're trying to do without wearing your body out. Um, so I, I'm big on having my guys putting them in different um, situations that are not opportunistic. Hey, we just hit a punt and it was, you know, false start on us. Now we have to jog back, putting them in weird situations uh, and then having them perform, I think is super important. And, and having that preparation uh, before game day so that they're ready to go. I, I don't know. I'd like to like do a study on that and see, you know, where we're at and if we can help them block out the visuals, you know, I always give them a mental cue, which I got, I know you guys talked about before um, of some one thing to focus on to help them block out um, the, the, you know, the external noise. And Brian, I love the seeing the field that you guys always show. I think that's the exact feeling. If any of you guys haven't watched it, I'm sure Brian uh, and Chris will put you on there, but it's seeing the field uh, from the legend of Bagger Vance. And I showed my specialist that, you know, everything the crowd gets quiet you can't see anything but that that hole you know that's the feeling that you're looking for uh, in those situations that's great all right so you had said something last previous question here that triggered an idea and it's something that I know Brian and I get feel we feel this question all the time and you you're in that position want to get your take but let's say Let's say you have an you play for a high school or or a college, and the coach wants you to do it a certain way, technique wise, but you know that doesn't quite jive with your style. Like, how do you what from a coach's perspective? How do you think a kid should approach them or you if they say they don't have that swing style or that 
snap style because they've they've you know it was it was a way it was their way that got them to you and then now you're trying to change something or they feel like that other coach is trying to change what they're what they're best at how can they best address that that's a that's a great question chris i mean how knowledgeable is the coach on the subject is he you know a former college specialist is he you know former nfl guy does he have any background with specialists has he worked with special teams for a while um is there i mean i'm saying like you know as a question do you do you have a example for me or well, I feel like when I feel these types of questions, it's probably a coach that really probably has been told maybe what to do or how to do it and maybe don't, doesn't quite have the experience to maximize the kid's potential so they have a certain way that has to be done all the way. Maybe it's not their best fit for that kid's style. So how, how can they approach the coach or you and say, like, hey, coach, man, this, this, isn't, this style isn't working for me. I feel like this might be better for me for the team, you know, or something like that. Sure. Well, yeah, I would, yeah. For, first of all, I would say, yes, sir. And then just keep doing what I'm doing. Cause chances are, if he doesn't know what he's really talking about anyway, he's not going to notice when you keep doing the same thing. He's just hearing something that's been repeated from some kicking coach. And, you know, he's just going to keep yelling at you, you know? So majority of the time, if the ball's going through the uprights, he's not going to say anything. So if you're doing what works, you're fine. Now, if, if that per situation persists, okay, well, let's go to the special teams coordinator. Let's just say, Hey, can we sit down and watch the film together and, and let's have a discussion about that, you know, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm seeing. If you can describe the how and the why to that coach, that's going to help him understand, you know, what's going on. Some coaches, look, they've been in this profession a long time and they're not going to stand for it, you know, and, and that's when you just go back to saying yes, sir. And, you know, you, you keep doing what you're doing, but um, yeah, if you, if you're able to sit down and watch that film and then show him, you know, the, the clip that uh, Brian has of, of NFL kickers and say, all right, well, here's what I'm doing here. It's just like Jason Myers. Jason Myers has a wide plan. He falls through right, you know, forward. This is what I'm emulating. And if you can explain to him that an NFL kicker is doing it like this, then he might rethink. Because you're 100% right. All kickers are different. And that's something that Randy Brown said on the fourth down experience. As long as that ball is has good rotation, uh, and that kicker's in the same starting spot, uh, same width of his plant foot, and same contact on the ball every time, then, you know, don't mess with it, you know. And I've learned that big time this year um, from working with my specialist, you know. As long as it's going in um, and it was consistent in what they're doing, okay, we'll work with that because we're in the middle of the season. You're not going to make any wholesale changes in the middle of the season. Yeah. I mean, that's right, you've been great, man. Thanks so much for being on with us. It's been a, a solid 30 minutes. You know, you know what we always like to do on this podcast. And so now as a coach, uh, you get to do it uh, players-wise and coaching-wise. So you'll give us 10 total, but five favorite stadiums. We'll go from like five to one on playing because you played at a lot of different places uh, as you tra transitioned up through D1. And then five as coaching, five to one. What you got? Okay. Um, how about I hit you with, with five, but I have two honorable mentions. I'm just going to combine it all. Is that cool? That works. I love it. Because, you know, you, you got me. Uh, I'm, now I'd be rethinking all my stuff. All right, number five, boom, Georgia Dome. Um, was there in the now destroyed Georgia Dome. We got to play Georgia State. I mean, that place held Super Bowls, uh, NCAA championship basketball. It was really cool just walking through that huge hallway, cement hallway, and thinking, man, like Michael Vick played here, Deion Sanders ban uh, banners are up there. That was cool. Number four. Aloha Stadium, Hawaii. I got together when I was at UT Martin uh, fourth down, against fourth down experience guest, Rigoberto Sanchez. 
both NorCal guys, and I actually played him when I was at Fresno City, and he was at Butte. Um, hey, they played the Pro Bowl there. So I'm in the bathroom, like, Tom Brady peed here. Like, that was a really cool experience. Um, number three, Cincinnati, Nippert Stadium. Nippert is, like, way below uh, ground level. If you guys have ever been there, um, you, you're on the field, and you look up, and you see, like, cars driving behind, like, the south end zone or the north end zone. I don't know which one uh, that is. Uh, that was my first uh, FBS game. I remember, you know, looking up in the press box is freaking way up there. I'm running on the field. I'm just, boo! And that was a great feeling for me because when you play D Division Two ball, no one gives a crap who you are when you're on the field. So to be booed was a pretty fun experience. Um, and then number two has got to be the Joan uh, Marshall's uh, Joan C. Edwards Stadium. I mean. You know, we played App State, nationally ranked team on CBS. And it felt like, you know, it was 12, 15,000. It felt like 300,000. I mean, those fans are so awesome at Marshall. Um, the 75 game, it was the 50th anniversary uh, of the plane crash. 75 uh, people died on the plane. You guys know, seeing We Are Marshall and just that, how, you know, that tradition still runs so deep. I mean, Red Dawson, the young coach who survives, uh, is still alive and well, and he's walking through the office, you know, on a day when I'm working, I just see this old man. I'm like, that guy's a legend, you know? So, uh, and then my two honorable mentions, um, Brian, you'll like this one, Burgess Snowfield, uh, State, uh, Burgess Snowfield at Jacksonville State Stadium in, ja in uh, Alabama there. I played there for an OBC conference championship game. Uh, man, that house was rocking. I had a field goal blocked. This guy jumped over our offensive lineman. Um, it was 25,000 there, but it felt like a, a FBS game, packed house. And then I had a, a switch up on you guys, a Division II stadium, CIAA, uh, Rogers Stadium, Virginia State. We were going for homecoming, and there was, you know, trailers, uh, RVs. As, long, as far as you could see, it felt like an SEC pregame there. Um, just awesome fans, like super great energy. Um, cool music. Uh, I got a punt taken back to the house on me. It felt like that place was going to explode, man. Uh, and then my number one stadium, uh, Ole Miss's Bot Hemingway Stadium. Uh, we're in the tunnel. You know, they're having their hottie toddy chant, hottie toddy, you know. And I'm looking at the scoreboard, and these huge offensive linemen are, are walking through. And I turn to my left, and there's a glass um, divider from where the visiting team walks and the home team. And these 6'8", six seven offensive linemen are just barreling through here and my eyes got so big and then everyone's like all right let's go we ran on the field uh, people called me strawberry shortcake it was a great experience <laughs> I, to, I held titan star uh chris brian aj brown to two return yards on 10 punts so i felt like that was um a good uh you know thing to do i got to go out in the grove after the grove is known for its tailgating and super nice people hey man good game i had all my ut martin stuff on but um yeah, man, some some awesome experiences. So, great list. That was great. Awesome. Well, Brett, hey, thanks for being on. Obviously, we thoroughly enjoy the friendship and the the connections through all the years, and you know, obviously the the coaching relationship here that we have as as you're at Marshall. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on and be a part of your life, and you be a part of our lives. So, thank you. Man, it's been uh, awesome, and, and I really do appreciate all the guidance you guys have offered me. I, I think that you two are, are two of the realest guys, seriously, in the kicking game right now. Um, so don't ever change that. I know, you know, when you're yourself, people are going to have things to say about you, but 
man, I think you guys are doing it right. Um, and I, I really do appreciate it. It's been an honor ever since listening to season one um, to be on here. So uh, do you guys mind if I mention what I got going on after oh, this? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right, man, I, I got the um, – I'm very excited. I'm going to be doing the Michigan uh, High School Coaches Clinic uh, and then also the Ohio Coaches Clinic. Um, you can find both these after the fact. They're taking place in the next week. I don't know when this is going to be released, but um, you can find these online. Uh, PJ Fleck, Ryan Day, Jim Harbaugh, Mel Tucker are some of the coaches that are going to be on these. So super juiced for that. Just go to their uh, websites, Michigan High School Coaching Clinic and Ohio uh, High School Coaches Clinic. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, go to icemankicking.com to purchase the Kicker's Bible. And a lot of the stuff that we talked on here today and, and things that have been discussed um, in the kicking realm are all in that book with samples from NFL, over 20 NFL specialists, man. So worked really hard on that. Go check that out. Uh, listen or watch uh, season one of the Iceman Kicking podcast. And we're going to do a season one review pretty soon. That's on Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud, or watch on YouTube or TikTok. And again, man, thank you, you guys. It's been uh, really an honor to be on here. Thank you. And I'm a verified listener of the Iceman Kicking Podcast, and it's real good content, too. So you keep it up. Man, we appreciate that. We appreciate your guys' support, man. All right. Well, thanks, Brett, for being on, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Thank you, guys. Yep. Bye.